Good morning. Good morning. It's been a while since I've been the one to greet you from the platform right uh, out of the gate, but it feels good to be back in this uh, spot to say to you and welcome you. Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. We are so glad you are here. Uh, My hope and my prayer is that you have had some of the fabulous coffee that we are serving today. If you haven't, you're just missing out today. That's all I can tell you. You're just missing out, and there's some tea or something out there for you. But um, I hope that you have had a delicious cup, and I hope, really seriously, that you are ready to worship the Lord together. I hope that you're ready to receive from him uh, what he has to give us this morning. So I'm going to open up with a word of prayer, and I'm going to read this call to worship, and we're going to go right into it, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment to intentionally open ourselves up to you. God, I pray that you would move in a mighty and powerful way in our midst this morning. God, I pray that as we sing these songs, that they wouldn't just be words on a screen, that we wouldn't just be mouthing the words that we're reading, but Lord, I pray that these things could be true and felt and experienced for us this morning. God, for those who might have trouble singing these words or believing these truths this morning, would you just meet them in a unique and powerful way? God, we are here for one purpose and one purpose only. That is to worship you and to make your name great. God, we invite you here. Would you meet us in a new and special way this morning? We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to share this call to worship from Psalm 93, verses 1 through 5. Receive this, this call this morning. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm, and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Listen, if the seas, if the seas and the oceans respond in worship to God, friends, we must, we should be encouraged to respond in worship this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready to worship our Lord? All right. Amen.
that true this morning? Yes. Amen. Amen. Jesus. 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Yeah. 
continue our praise as we sing together.
rest in his righteousness alone. Faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. This morning, we're going to do something just a little bit different. Um, I'm going to invite the Frankhauser family to come up to the front. In case you guys missed it with all the donuts and, and all the fellowship happening, happening in the foyer, uh, we are saying goodbye to the Frankhauser family this morning, or probably see you later, if we're being honest, because I've heard they're going to be back in the area for different things, so we will see them, I know, but today is their last Sunday uh, before they move to Champaign, Illinois, and so we're going to invite them to come. You guys can um, sit on the front row for, if you you know, if you need to do that, you can kneel at the altar or you can stand, whatever, um, whatever you guys choose to do. And um, I'm going to invite uh, some of you who have been walking through this life with the Frankhausers for some time now. Uh, if you feel comfortable and led, I would, I'd like to invite you to come gather around them. Um, and we're just going to lift them up in prayer as they um, transition to a new phase of life in a new place. I know it's very bittersweet for them, and um, we just want to ensure that they feel completely covered in prayer and loved. So would you all join me as we pray for this family this morning? Gracious God, we are so grateful to meet friends and families in this life like the Frank Hauser family. God, I've, I've only been here for a short period of time, so I can't speak for everyone, but I, I have caught a glimpse of what this family means to this congregation. I know that this family is deeply loved, and I know for certain that this family loves this congregation. And God, I know this is such a bittersweet change. God, we celebrate the ways and we praise you for the ways in which you've moved in their lives and how you have helped things to work out smoothly as they have decided to make this transition. God, we thank you for each uh, way that you've moved along the way. But God, we know that, that moving is hard. Moving is hard and saying goodbye is difficult. And it's painful. And God, this morning, perhaps the Frank Hauser family is aware of the fact that two things can be very true at the same time, that we can hold joy and happiness and celebration in one hand, but we can also hold grief and sorrow and sadness in another. And so God, would you just be present in the mix of all these emotions? God, I just pray that you would help this transition to be seamless and smooth. 
God, I pray that you would already, we know that you already have, but we pray, Lord, that you will continue to prepare the way for the, for the Frank Houser family. God, would you continue to help things to work out smoothly as they prepare to pick up all their stuff and, and move? God, would you just be with them in all of the emotions that they're feeling? God, if some are having a harder time than others, would you just help them to feel peace, an incredible peace from the comfort of the Holy Spirit? God, we thank you for this family. We thank you for how you have been with them in the good times and in the hard times. God, we thank you for the way that you have carried Brett and Nancy through a season of incredible, painful loss. Lord, it's devastating. It's been so difficult to say the least to watch Brett and Nancy grieve the lives of a father, a husband, a son, and a brother. But God, you carried them through. You carried this whole family through because that's what you do. God, you don't promise that we won't experience difficult times, but you do promise to be the one who carries our burdens. You promise to be the one that gives us peace. You promise to, the be, to be the one that gives us strength. You invite us to draw near to you so that you can carry those burdens. And we have seen how you've done that for this family. God, I just pray that you would just continue to move in amazing ways in their lives. Lord, we are going to miss them deeply. God, we would be remiss to, to not praise you this morning for the healing that took place in Brett's life. And God, how you spared Nancy and, and Stephanie and their family, Lord. God, we thank you and we praise you that Brett is, is standing here today. God, you've been so good. And we are so thankful to have walked with this family, some of us for many years, and for some of us, even just for this past year and a half, it's been a joy. I pray that in Champaign, they would find a community like no other. I've heard, Lord, that, that they have big shoes to fill in terms of community and friendships and love. I pray, God, that you would show up and show out by bringing a community to welcome in the Frank Houser family. I pray, God, that they would be blessed with love and welcoming and community there. God, would you just continue to move in every detail? And God, we just thank you again for this sweet family, and we trust that you are gonna work in each and every area going forward. We give you, God, all the praise, all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Hope you all feel loved because I feel it for you. I'm telling you, (laughs) I sense that. These are are difficult transitions in life. Saying goodbye is never easy. It's so hard, but God is good. Amen? God is good. He is good. I should have caught you before you sat down. (laughs) I should have warned you to stay standing as you made your way back to your seat, Uh, because I'm going to invite you to stand this morning for the reading of the word. Sorry. Friends, this morning we are in Luke chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 57 through 62. Of course, it's on the screen for you to follow along. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Friends, this is a challenging word from the Lord this morning, but can we offer up thanks? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's unpack this a little bit. This is definitely one of those that, uh, that is challenging, and, and it's not so easy and smooth on the ears at first glance, Right? I am very well aware of this as I was preparing this sermon this week, but first let me just do a little bit of catch up, um, catching up. (laughs) Uh, For those of you who may not have been here last week, uh, this is kind of part two of last week's message. And I'm just going to say, I'm just going to confess right out of the gate. Last week, I, I, I said, you're welcome for splitting the sermon up into two parts because otherwise it was going to be this really long sermon. Um, this week was a lot more difficult to split up, and so it is what it is. And if you're here a little bit longer, I apologize, but there was so much that I wanted to say this week, and I'm going to try to keep it so short, but at the same time, I just it is, it's packed full of things that I just feel challenged, truly. I've gone through, and I'm like, what can I cross out? Because this is a lot. Um, and what I have is what I feel like I need to say, and so just bear with me, okay? But I did the favor for you last week, so I feel like you should give me some grace this week, right? But last week, we looked at kind of part one, what we, what we saw as part one of this passage in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. If you have your Bibles open or your Bible app, you can go and reference that really quickly. But basically, the story, the story in short is uh, Jesus is, is headed toward Jerusalem, which is a big detail. We'll talk about that again in a moment. But Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem, and he wants to to prepare to go into the city of Samaria before he makes his way into Jerusalem. But he's not welcomed in Samaria. The the Samaritan village um, is not welcoming and hospitable to Jesus. And so this frustrates James and John. This frustrates them. And so they ask, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? And Jesus rebukes them, and we unpacked that. There was a lot there, but, but Jesus is, there was this pivotal moment that we talked about last week where Jesus 
he's got his eyes fixed on the cross, right? He has his eyes fixed on the cross. Luke helps us understand that this is a pivotal moment in his gospel, that Jesus has, has resolved Luke says Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem. That's an important detail that carries into this week. Last week, what that looked like is I'm headed toward Jerusalem regardless of the opposition I face. I'm going knowing that I'm going to face much more opposition than this. And we talked about how if Jesus destroyed every bit of opposition, there would be no one or nothing left. Right? And so Jesus says, despite opposition, the answer is not to destroy, for I came to save lives, not destroy them. And so he says, I- I'm going to Jerusalem regardless of the opposition. Well, this week, we have what I noticed as kind of a tension. And I say that. I talk about that a lot. I'm very comfortable with the tension in between two things, as you can probably tell. And as I was preparing, thinking about last week and preparing for this week, I found myself in this tension where I think it's easy to identify those or maybe even acknowledge that we are those who either want to call down fire from heaven to destroy our enemies, right? And we talked about last week how sometimes we do that on social media or with our words or shaking our fingers at people in judgment, like that's our way of calling down fire from heaven. And so we have those who, who that's tempting for them. That makes sense to them, right? And Jesus pushes back against that. But then there are those who I saw in this passage that might say, Jesus, I'm not worried about calling down fire from heaven. I'm just going to follow you anywhere. I I notice a tension. Maybe I'm interjecting that. I'll acknowledge that. Maybe I'm putting something there that's not there. But I just noticed this tension of maybe these are those who, who would say, yeah, we shouldn't be calling down fire from heaven, right? Because Jesus is all about radical love and inclusion, right? Jesus, Jesus destroys boundaries while we build them. So maybe there are those of us who, who don't identify with the calling down fire from heaven, but we're quick to say, Lord, oh, I'm going to follow you anywhere. However you want to lead, I'm going to follow you. And that's what we see in this passage this morning. But here's what I wonder. Sometimes I wonder if we are quick to assume that we are ready to follow Jesus anywhere when Jesus perhaps notices something within us that we haven't yet noticed. Let me explain what I mean. Last week's passage, as I said, shows Jesus' determination to journey into Jerusalem. And what that means, his eyes are on the cross. He knows what's coming, not just opposition, but laying down his life in love. Jesus has already resolved that he is going to lay down his life, even though it's going to be more difficult than we could ever imagine. He's already resolved that he's doing that, and so he has fixed his eyes on the cross. He's not looking back, and already there are those who have said, we're going to follow you anywhere, Jesus, and we're going to let you lead how you want to lead. And yet there's a little bit of, but first, let me go do this. There's a little bit of looking back when Jesus has resolved to go toward the cross, not turning back. We see that in each one of these encounters with with these three people. The first person says to Jesus, and I just, again, I just imagine like, oh, Jesus, look, 
Now that we got those guys taken care of, James and John, who just want to be all about the fire and brimstone, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And you see Jesus' response to him. He says, he says, foxes have dens, but the son of man, and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. In other words, I think what Jesus is saying to this first person is, do you really know what this entails? Do you, do you understand how difficult it is going to be what you're saying that you are going to do? Let me, let me back up and say this. I believe that with each and every one of these interactions, I think Jesus, I believe that Jesus sees into the heart of those he's speaking with. And I think he's addressing and acknowledging what the hang-up for them will be, okay? And so I think we need to understand that this morning. Uh, Just like Luke gives this great example in chapter 18. There are so many passages in Luke that fit with this message that we're looking at today. But in Luke 18, Jesus is approached by this young ruler, this rich young ruler who is ready to be a disciple. And he says, Lord, I've done all the things. I've checked all the boxes. I'm in synagogue every time the doors are open. So what else should I do before I am able to follow you? And Jesus, seeing into his heart... I think Jesus knows what the hang-up is for the rich, young ruler, and he says, go sell all of your possessions, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. And most of us know that story ends tragically. It's a tragic ending because Luke says that this young man turns away, right? He, he's not able to do what Jesus has asked him to do, and so I hold that passage in mind when I'm thinking about these encounters. I believe Jesus is looking into the hearts of those who are saying, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go, knowing what the hang-up will be for them. Are you with me? So, so he says to this man, this young man, right? Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, This is not going to be an easy journey. Jesus didn't even know where he would be sleeping every night. He relied upon the hospitality of others. And last week, we we saw an example of when people say no. Like, no, Jesus, you're not welcome to come here. You're not welcome to stay here. And so I would imagine that there were many nights where Jesus didn't know where he would be laying his head. And he's asking this young man and probably us, are you okay with not knowing where this journey might take you? Are you okay with the unknown? Are you okay? This is not a journey to a five-star resort. That's kind of how I imagine this part of the conversation. Like, you need to be okay with knowing that that it's not going to be a cushy, comfortable, cozy lifestyle. It's going to be difficult at times. Are you prepared for what this means? I think that's the real question that wasn't asked here. Are you prepared for what that means? following me wherever I go. So then another one, Jesus turns to another one and says, how about you? Follow me? Yeah. And he says, okay, yes, I will. But first I got to go bury my father. And we see Jesus' response, which might seem a little peculiar and harsh at first. And let me kind of explain what, what he means when he says, let the dead bury their dead. What's not happening here is Jesus is not saying you may not go to the funeral of your father. 
Like, sorry, but you're not going to be able to do that. That's not what's happening here because in this time, in this culture, if a person had just lost their father, they would not be out and about in public. They would be at home for a mourning period and they remained in one place and didn't go out in public. They mourned. They took the appropriate amount of time to mourn the loss of those who have died. And so it wouldn't be normal for this man to have just lost his father a couple days ago and already here talking to a rabbi about following him. What's likely happened, and I learned something new this week, and let me just prepare you, TMI, it's a little, it's a little much. It's not something a lot of us want to hear at 11 o'clock in the morning. But here's what, what was customary during this time. After a person uh, had died, in this case, this father, once they were buried for about a, a year and all the flesh had rotted off the bones... The, the, the child, particularly the son, the oldest son, would go back to the tomb and would collect the bones and put them in a sacred box. I know, it's gross. It's not, we, that's not normal for us, so it's just one of those things. And so, but what, that's important because you need to understand what's likely happening here is he's not asking to go mourn his father or attend his father's funeral. He's possibly asking for up to a one-year delay. Like, but first, let me go take care of my family obligations, and then I'll come follow you, where Jesus is saying, listen, the kingdom of God is now. The dead are are dead, and that's harsh, but that's the reality, right? The dead are dead, but the kingdom of God is here and now, and already the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few, so we got to go, like, we got to go, right? And and so I think that's what's happening here, and here's the thing, I got to be honest, Even knowing what I just explained to you, that kind of softens the response just a little bit, right? That makes it sound a little less harsh, but even then I've got to press up against that because I still think it's a little harsh. It's a little radical because this son's obligation would be to his father and his obligation would be to go back to the tomb and collect the bones of his father, And so even still, even Jesus denying him the opportunity to do that and saying, no, we need to go now, that's still a little radical and countercultural, and I'm afraid it doesn't get much better. Because then we move into the third encounter, where this person says, Lord, I will follow you, but first, just let me go say goodbye to my family. Seems pretty innocent and easy and and understandable, right? First, let me just go tell my family I'm leaving and let me go say goodbye to them. And Jesus, the response doesn't get any better. It's not any easier to accept or to hear. Jesus says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Again, seeing into his heart, knowing what the hangup for this particular person might be. And what Jesus means by that, it's pretty straightforward, but just imagine it. If someone is, is plowing a field, it's important and necessary. Um, I don't know from experience, but I, I did some reading and I understand what they're saying, right? If you're plowing a field, it's important to keep your eyes on what you're doing or your, your trench or your furrow, so I guess they call it a furrow, it's going to become crooked And it's going to defeat the purpose of all that hard work. Like, you've got to keep your eyes on it and going forward. So it's a pretty straightforward example that Jesus gives. And what Jesus is really saying is, you can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. You can't put it off to go and look back and go take care of something that's just 
in the grand scheme of things, not that important. As we've said many times, Jesus' resolve is to look ahead toward the cross. And yet, here are people right away who can't help but look back, right? And that's easy to do. It's tempting. It's easy to do. I think we can think of a thousand reasons, a thousand reasons to look back and and, uh, many things that we need to go and take care of before we can be all in for Jesus, There may be a connection here with Elisha because before, I'm going way back, but I don't have time to unpack it all, but before Elisha takes on Elijah's responsibilities as he steps into Elijah's shoes, he was given permission to go back and say goodbye to his family. It's specifically in there. First, let me go say bye to my family. Elijah says, cool, I'll see you when you get back. And he does, and then he comes to follow Elijah and to to step into that role. And Jesus is saying, you can't even do that. I could have left that part out because I think it would have made it a little easier to digest. But I felt strongly convicted this week to leave all the hard stuff in. Uh, it was really tempting to just pull some of those details out to make it sound a little, a little better, a little more attractive. But I really felt like I wasn't supposed to do that. Because the reality is, what Jesus is saying is radical. It is counter-cultural. The question is, what are we to make of that? And if I can, I'm going to challenge us just a bit. I'm going to challenge us just a bit because here's what I think. I think it's really easy, especially for me anyways, to be all about Jesus' radical love and inclusion Right? I love to talk about how while we have set up boundaries and when we build up walls between us and the other, whoever the other is that you don't want to interact with, Jesus destroys those. And Jesus relentlessly moves towards those whom society has pushed to the margins. I love to talk about that because that's my Jesus. That's my Jesus who came after me and rescued me and pulled me in when I felt on the outside. I love to talk about the radical love of Jesus. And I think we love to hear about the radical, relentless love of Jesus that pursues you, chases after you, never gives up on you. But I wonder, is it easier for us to embrace Jesus' radical love and inclusion, but not so easy to embrace a radical commitment? such as the one we see here. See the tension? I think it's real easy to say, stop calling down fire, okay? Love, that's what we want. We want a Christ-like love, not just any love, not just strum your guitars and sing kumbaya, but a Christ-like love that is on mission to let others know they're loved by God, first and foremost, right? It's easy to to reject the fire and brimstone, but I also wonder how quick are we to embrace this kind of radical, this kind of commitment. And here's the thing. You need to understand it is radical. It is countercultural, and I, I don't feel like I should sugarcoat that for us. As I was thinking about this this week and, and reading through Luke's gospel, it is abundantly clear to me 
that following Jesus will cost you something. It will. For us here in America, it's probably not going to cost us our lives. Like, we're not going to lose our lives, right? We're not, we're not threatened. We're not at the point where we are possibly going to be killed for following Jesus, right? But it will cost you something. It's abundantly clear to me that following Jesus will not always be comfortable. It's not always going to be a journey to a five-star resort. In fact, if it is, I'm going to question it just a little bit because that's not where Jesus was headed. Following Jesus is going to mean you're going to have to shift some priorities. You're going to have to, to rearrange some things in your life to put him back on top of your priorities. It's abundantly clear to me that following Jesus is not always going to be convenient, and we are all about convenience now. We are, right? Convenience. We want it easy, quick and easy. It's not going to be. It's abundantly clear to me that following Jesus indicates giving up certain things and certain lifestyles. It's clear to me that, that following Jesus, this one I can say wholeheartedly, after 12 years in ministry, I'm learning that, the, that following Jesus means not seeing the results you want to see on this side of heaven and showing up anyways. It's abundantly clear to me that following Jesus will oftentimes make you feel lonely. Because you're going to look at the world, and the world is going to be immersed in all of these things that kind of support this idea of eat, drink, and be merry, because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, right? We're living for today. That's, that's what we do in this world, and following Jesus has an eternal viewpoint in mind, and so a lot of times you're going to feel yourself on the outside of what everyone else is doing, because they're living for here and now, and what is, what's good today. It's abundantly clear to me that, that following Jesus means the world is going to question you. They are going to look at you with a peculiar look and saying, really, you're that committed? Have you seen the church? Have you, you know, the world has particular ideas about God and the church, and so they are going to look at you like you're crazy. You're probably going to offend people because you put Jesus before them, whoever that is, your spouse, your parents, your kids, your friends. And I guess that's why Jesus spends a, a decent amount of time in the Gospel of Luke, in one way or another, encouraging people, count the cost. Don't say you'll follow me until you've considered what it will cost you, because it will cost you something. And then just when I thought like I was done with the challenging and like making people feel challenged, I really felt led to just challenge my generation for a minute. My generation, maybe those behind me, those in the generation behind me. I see the passion that we have in calling out some of the things that the church has done over, over the years that haven't been the most helpful, like the fundamentalism, right? Like the legalism, 
like the the attitude that wasn't exactly a Christ-like love. Like we have been committed to calling that out. And I do a lot of of standing up here and and sharing with you the cries of my generation. And for a moment, I'm going to be fair and I'm going to I'm going to press in and challenge my generation a little bit because I think a lot of times we have a lot to say, but it's not followed up with much action, if I'm being honest. Can we be honest? Millennials, Gen Zs, if you're watching, I don't know if they're here. But that's another thing. Like, where is everyone? Where are the millennials? I talk to so many millennials who are so angry with the church. They're frustrated with all the things that the church did wrong. They're hurt. They've been hurt by people in the church who, instead of showing Jesus, showed them something that looked nothing like Jesus. I hear you. I see you. I'm with you. But where are you? Because I don't see anywhere where Jesus said, call it out, but don't show up. Drop a bomb and then leave. And watch it all explode, and it's all going to come crumbling down. Like, what? I just have to be honest. I feel like those in my generation, we are busy. We're busy. And we are busy doing important things. And sometimes I'm afraid that we're so busy that when we hear a message that says, you got to give up everything to follow Jesus. We find that a little oppressive and offensive because Jesus wouldn't ask me to do that. Jesus is loving and Jesus is, he makes things comfortable for me. I'm just going to challenge us there. I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to drop that bomb and no. I just couldn't get rid of that this week. It just, it was there. There's so much more we could say, but we'll have to unpack that more another time. Jesus doesn't anywhere make it sound easy or comfortable. In fact, he says quite the opposite. Uh, In Luke chapter 9, I'm going to fly through this, so just be ready. In Luke chapter 9, he says these words. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? He says in another place, those of you who do not give up everything cannot be my disciples. Church, this passage that we're talking about this morning It's addressing those who call themselves followers of Jesus but aren't fully consecrated to him, meaning they haven't committed to a life that is devoted to Jesus first above anyone, anything, and everything else. I've been reading a lot. I kind of go in phases where I'll read from a particular person uh, for a period of time and then I'll kind of move on. And I've just been, I've been on Carla Sundberg's blog a lot lately. Carla Sundberg, for those of you who don't know, uh, she's a general superintendent of the Church of the Nazarene, sister-in-law to Sandy, Um, and and she has some great things to say. Particularly, I always love her thoughts on, on this kind of stuff, sanctification, essentially. And she says it like this. She says, Jesus knew that wholehearted discipleship requires entire consecration with a face set toward the goal. 
Remember what the goal is? For Jesus, the cross. And for us, we follow in his footsteps. Footsteps. And this is what we mean when we talk about sanctification. A faulty teaching of sanctification is, is it changed. My heart is changed so that I can pat myself on the back and feel good about how, how holy and sanctified I am. Right? That's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is an inward change, a consecration of the heart so that you can follow Jesus wholeheartedly over everything else, no matter what. He comes first in your life and everything you do reflects that. And a lot of people will resent this teaching. I've probably lost people this morning, truthfully, because this sounds like an oppressive burden, doesn't it? to lay down my life, to deny self. Even though scripture is full of of truth that says that that's what we are to do, we reject this because it feels like an oppressive burden. But I'm afraid we have missed so much of the message if that's what we believe. It's because of a love for God that it is an absolute joy to live for him and him alone doing whatever he's called us to do, wherever he's called us to do it, serving however he's called us to serve, even when it's difficult. And if it's not a joy for you, if it feels like an oppressive burden, then I'm gonna ask you to open up your heart before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to sanctify you because it hasn't happened yet. And if it hasn't, that's okay. That's okay, But you need to understand that living a life in in the way that we're talking about, it shouldn't feel like an oppressive burden. It's a joy. It's a joy. And so I guess one of the questions that I want to ask you this morning is, how has he called you or how is he calling you to follow him? Is it possible that you've been looking back for a long time? Is it possible that you have not been completely in following Jesus wholeheartedly because you're too busy looking back at all the things and all the people that you have to please, all the things you have to do, all the things that society tells you you should be doing to be a productive, successful human being? I just want to give us a second to think about it. How has Jesus called you to follow him wholeheartedly And can you think of how maybe you haven't fully embraced that? I think often, I was reminded at District Assembly this week by General Superintendent Dr. David Busick that there's a lot of of holes in in ministry, particularly in, in those being ordained and district licensed. And I can't help but wonder how many people have been rejecting or running from a call into ministry. Really, we're all called into ministry, but how many people are running from a call to serve full-time? It's never too late. A couple years ago in the North Arkansas District, there was a, a woman who was somewhere around the age of 78 years old, and she was ordained a few years ago. It was incredible. And the Lord is using her She has a very fruitful ministry. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must daily carry their cross. 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Friends, we carry our cross and lay down our lives by living them unselfishly, wholeheartedly for Jesus. Not living for the pleasure of anything or anyone else but Jesus. And I love how scholar David Neal puts it. He says, Jesus called for selflessness, for selflessness, or think laying down one's life, right? Dying to yourself daily. This call does not devalue life because that's the temptation to believe. It's oppressive, it's a burden, it devalues life. It does not devalue life as does martyrdom. Instead, it exhorts disciples to value the spiritual aspect of life above the physical. Meaning, we are working for something, the kingdom of God, and we're not going to always see how, how that fits in here and now. But we do it anyways. And any message that says it will be easy is not the gospel. Fulfilling, yes. Fulfilling, absolutely. Easy, Friends, if we're going to be people who follow this Jesus, who says, are you ready? Do you want to follow me? Or are you looking back? If we're going to be people who follow this Jesus, we have to receive all that he's saying and doing, not just the parts that we like and appreciate and leaving out what feels oppressive and burdensome and just doesn't fit with my busy lifestyle. And it truly is the narrow path, which Jesus says, and perhaps few really do find it. And that might sound depressing, <laughs> but I want to end on this note, and I'm going to invite the praise team to come back. But keep listening, because Carla Sundberg, as I was reading on her blog, she shares this beautiful story. Sandy, perhaps you've heard this story. It moved me, and this is exactly what we're talking about. I feel like this sums it up perfectly. You know, there, let me just say too, in Luke 14, there's another challenging word where Jesus says, if you're gonna follow him and be a disciple, not only do you have to count the cost and consider what it's gonna cost you, but he even says the strong language of anyone who doesn't hate their mother or their father or their wife or their husband, anyone who doesn't hate is not fit to be a disciple. Luke 14, go look it up. I'm not lying. Here's what that means. I'm going to share what that means in this story. Carla Sundberg shares this story. She says, when I read about the early members of the holiness movement, I realize how sold out they were to following Christ. She says, my grandparents are reminders of what it means to give up everything to follow Jesus. She said, my grandfather loved to preach holiness and he lived it out. During the height of the depression, my grandmother took off her ring and put it in the offering plate so that she could help the church. Having almost nothing of material worth, they both, both gave of themselves to consistently help others come to Christ. She said, my grandfather planted little Nazarene churches across Nebraska, building them with his own hands. He had a cement mixer with which he made his own blocks. They often ate whatever had been left for them on the back porch by the farmers of their congregation. They trusted God to meet their needs. Here's, here's the kicker. 
She said, my grandparents taught their son, so Carla Sundberg's father, my grandparents taught their son to follow Jesus with all of his heart. In other words, they didn't just do this, they, they called their children to do this. And she said, that commitment took him from Nebraska to Germany. And none of them got to enjoy being together as a family. And I didn't meet my grandparents until I was nearly three years old when I visited America for the first time. I wouldn't see them again for another four years. She says, singular devotion, which is what we're talking about, doesn't look back. But through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, presses on in service to the kingdom of God. Here's what I want. I told you. I told you it was going to be a lot today. I don't want you to hear this morning that you need to pick up and leave tomorrow and you can't say goodbye to your family because Jesus said no. Right? That's not the kind of message I'm preaching this morning. I think you know that. And when Jesus said things like you need to hate, like he doesn't literally mean hate. Jesus uses hyperbolic language often to communicate a radical point. But the story that Carla Sundberg shared to me communicates exactly what Jesus is talking about. As a parent, I'm just going just to be honest, as a parent in ministry, two of us, both of us in ministry, I've had people con- express concerns to me. Who, people who mean well and, you know, just are looking out say, be careful that your kids aren't at church too much. Like, don't bring them with you to church all the time. Like, you don't want your kids to resent ministry because that's all they know, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. But I read stuff like this, and I'm like, I want them to see what it looks like to be all in, singularly devoted to Jesus. And if that means that they pick up and move halfway across the world, I know it'll break my heart into a thousand pieces, but I will also know that they are following the will of God, which is not only what I taught them to do, but it's what I hoped they would do. It's putting God first above anyone and everyone. So the question I have after a very long time of talking, the question I have this morning is, are we looking forward Are we looking forward, fixed on following Jesus, no matter the cost? Or are we still looking back, missing out on the fullness of joy that comes when we live singularly and wholeheartedly for Jesus? And as we're going to sing in this song, no turning back. When I started learning what it meant to be a sanctified Christian, this song is one that, that resonated with me. And I think it communicates that so well. So let's sing together this morning as we're challenged. Let's all stand together and sing, I have decided. The question is, have you decided to follow Jesus? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have
this morning. God, certainly what's been shared this morning is challenging. God, I have felt that all week because so often I I do think that we're tempted to cling on to the teachings that are freeing and life-giving and it does release so much oppression. And it does truly give us a freedom that maybe we haven't always known or felt. But God, in the same way, we recognize that the call of Jesus to follow him, to be on mission with him, working so that the whole world might get a taste of the flourishing kingdom of God, it does require total and complete commitment. Not just checking off boxes, not just showing up to church, although that's important, not just being people who consume, not just being consuming Christians, but being Christians that participate not just on Sunday mornings, but Christians who participate in what you're calling us to each and every day. And sometimes that might mean like looking, or picking everything up and, and moving far away from family. And that's hard and it's difficult and it's painful. But for others, it just looks like being intentional with with what we choose to do every day. Saying no to things that keep us from, from being all in, serving you with everything we have, and doing so in such a way that it models to our kids that this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. 
We don't just talk about it and preach about it and listen, but we do it every single day. Even when we don't see what we want to see as a reward on this side of heaven, even when it feels like it's doing nothing, even when we don't see a radical change that that we just so badly want to see, it means trusting that kingdom work is being done, that seeds are being planted, and that God, you are faithful, and none of this work goes to waste. So God, I just pray that if there are those here who love you, who truly love you and and want to follow you, but maybe just haven't been all in without looking back, Lord, would you challenge us? God, we know that, that you will continue to sanctify and purify our hearts so that we live for you and you alone. And what that means is living with a love for God that is so deep and so strong that we can't help but orient our lives around loving others. Whatever that looks like for us. God, it's only through your power and through laying down all of us that that that's possible. So Lord, if there are those who say, right now, God, I'm deciding I'm resolving to look ahead toward the kingdom of God. I'll cut out what needs to be cut out. I'll lay down what needs to be laid down. I'll give up what needs to be given up. God, would you would you just meet those in a powerful, special way right here this morning? Fill them with joy and peace because It's truly joyful that we can do that, that we can be on mission with you every moment of every day. God, would you just continue to go before us and help us as we seek to be this kind of people. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for us so that we can find fullness and experience the fullness of joy that's only possible through you. We love you, Lord. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just a few quick announcements for you this morning. Um, Restore Network, I know you've heard it every week. But if you have not yet even looked to see how you might be able to serve, Trisha, do you happen to know, are there still, uh, there's still availability for that? Okay, so, so we're not just wasting our time here. There is still uh, areas in which you can serve for that. So if you are interested, just want to remind you and bring that before you once again, uh, the Back to School Bash for Restore Network on August 6th, okay? You can scan that code out in the foyer to, to learn more about that if you need that. Um, I don't know how many of you had the amazing coffee this morning, but it was so good. If you did, I know you probably enjoyed it. I heard a lot of good things about it. And I shared a lot about the coffee company with you last week. If you missed that, you can go back and watch the end of the service or in my weekly newsletter, I included the video that kind of shares with us the the vision uh, behind this coffee company, I Have a Bean. What I didn't share with you last week is that before we were serving Dunkin' Donuts coffee from Sam's. (laughs) 
And that's like a few dollars. And this coffee, as because they pride themselves on, on roasting and, and packaging the best of the best kind of coffee beans, this coffee, as you can imagine, is quite a bit more expensive. Um, but because we care, we love to have good coffee, and more importantly, coffee with an amazing purpose, uh, we, we've decided that that's what we want to support. And so um, I just want to kind of put it before you that any time that you are, are willing or would like to donate towards that, please feel free to do so. Um, There's a little jar out there that you can drop a few dollars or some change in. You could probably write a check if you'd like and just make a note that it's for the coffee. I know, that's kind of weird, right? A lot of churches aren't like asking you to give toward the coffee, but but we just want to share that with you. Like, in case that um, is important to you to support that, then you are certainly welcome to do so. You don't have to, but we definitely want to give you that opportunity. Finally, I saved the most important for last. Uh, tomorrow morning, bright and early, Bo and I will be taking uh, our two kids and Bella and Emma Franklin to kids camp along with like, what, 100 or so other kids from across the district? Over 100 at this point uh, for kids camp this week. And I'm really going to ask you, to take this seriously, would you be praying for this week? Not only would you pray that, that adults like myself who aren't just dying to go to kids camp, that we could just be used and available to do whatever it is. The count, I'm counting the cost, and I understand what it's going to cost this week, and I'm, yeah, I'm willing to do it. But not only pray that everything goes smoothly, right, and that these kids are, are loved by the adults that are going, but Would you pray that God would move in a mighty and powerful way in the lives of these these young kids? Would you pray that that kingdom work begins now for them, that seeds are planted in their hearts that go on for years and years? Would you be praying for them this week? Would you commit praying for them this week? We're excited to come back and share with you, and I'm also going to challenge you that whatever excitement slash exhaustion we bring next week, Don't get your hopes too high for the sermon next week. I'm just going to tell you. (laughs) Just don't, you know, it might be super short. But uh, would you also be ready to receive the energy and excitement that comes back? May you be mindful not to, to squash the excitement that comes back from camp. Because as a kid and as a teen, you would come back from kids camp and, you know, you're on that kids camp high or youth camp high, but then you go to church with people who are like, you know, and just so gloom and doom and not happy. And if they are, their face doesn't show it. And you just feel like, whoa, yeah, back to reality. <laughs> okay, you know, but I pray that when, when we come back, when the kids come back, that if they have a, a fresh fire and, and energy and passion, that we would embrace that and that, we, that it would be contagious, And that we would catch that and get excited about what God is doing in their lives right here, right now, right? All right. So I do want you to take that seriously, praying for them this week. I will invite you to stand this morning as I share this benediction. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord. May you serve him and follow him this week wholeheartedly. May you continue to be open to the ways in which God wants to use you. And may you be committed to going wherever he calls you to go, doing whatever he calls you to do, regardless of what it means laying down. Go in his power, his peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.